All right. Hello and welcome to Sewer Signals, a podcast on utility experiences with wastewater surveillance. I'm Anna Marotra, Director of the Wastewater Surveillance Program at the Water Environment Federation, and I'm delighted to be talking to Bina Nayak today, who is joining us from Odessa, Florida. Hey, Bina, how are you doing today? Hi, Anna. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Great. It's great to be talking with you. So Bina is the Water Research Project Manager at Pinellas County Utilities, where she manages research projects with government organizations, engineering firms, and academia to expand the knowledge of water quality research that will benefit the utility and the water industry as a whole. She also assists the county water and wastewater treatment plants on internal projects such as corrosion control, disinfection byproduct management, and process options for wastewater treatment. Active on project advisory committees for the Water Research Foundation and in the Florida section of the American Water Works Association, Bina has a PhD degree in microbiology from the University of South Florida. And a little bit about Bina's utility. So Pinellas County Utilities provides wastewater collection and treatment services through two water resource recovery facilities with a combined average daily flow of 31 million gallons per day to approximately 300,000 people on the west coast of Florida. Their wastewater collection system includes 1,500 miles of sewer and 289 pump stations. Thanks to the county's extensive reclaimed water infrastructure, Pinellas County Utilities customers reuse approximately 18 million gallons of wastewater per day for irrigation and other uses. And that's really one thing that Pinellas County is very well known for. I mean, that's a high rate of water reuse, 18 million gallons out of that 31 million gallons um, average treated. So that, that's so great. And that's a whole other topic, you know, right? Water reuse. But today yes, we're talking about wastewater surveillance. So let's dive in. So Bina, tell me when and how did um, Pinellas County Utilities get started with its wastewater surveillance program for COVID? The WHO declared uh, COVID as a pandemic in March, 2020. And um, that's when all these articles started coming out from around the world, the, the reports that um, academics and other um, you know, researchers were using WBE to track COVID in the systems and being a microbiologist myself, um, I realized that this was a good opportunity for our utility um, to participate. And we play a very important role in public health protection and participating in WBE efforts is a kind of service to our customers, to our community. It's more our responsibility to public health. So, um, we started our program in late April, 2020, when Tulane University reached out to us and asked if we could send them samples from both our facilities once every other week. It was not very um, often. So that was like kind of our toe in the water kind of thing where we're like, okay, we're sending samples from each of our facilities once every other week. Um, and we were sending the influent pre and post disinfection samples because they were also looking to see if it gets treated. This was early enough that there was not enough information. And um, we would like to know if it was actually getting disinfected through our treatment process. 
and there is no signal in the effluent. So this was an interesting study and we decided to participate in it. And we sent them samples for about three to four months, but um, by the end of May, within a month of starting to send samples, we also realized that there needs to be a more um, frequent uh, uh, influent, influent of data. You know, we, we need more data out mm -hmm. of this. Sending them once every other week is not enough. So um, we looked into getting a commercial lab to help us with processing the samples. We do have a utilities lab, but our lab does only compliance samples. And I am the only molecular um, biologist in my lab. I have a uh, little lab set up with qPCR and a DNA extraction hood and all that. But I, uh, I cannot process that many samples by myself. And so um, we decided it was better to go with a commercial lab, which had already figured out how to do the, you know, the lab analysis for SARS-CoV-2 RNA. And that's when we, um, we started in sending them samples in June, 2020. Okay. And we continued with them till May 2021. So for a whole year, we were sending samples to a commercial lab. Then we got onto the NWSS, National Wastewater Surveillance System, or NEWS, and we've continued with NEWS since then for whenever. So there's there's been gaps in between NEWS, and so it's not been a continuous program. But for the last two years, so in 24 months, we have been sampling for 20 months at least. Wow. Such an interesting evolution of your program and also kind of an evolution of the partners you've been working with. So I heard Tulane. I heard the commercial lab, who are your partners now for the news specific effort? This phase three has uh, been, the funding has been given to Biobot Analytics. So we have started sending samples to Biobot for this phase. For the previous phase from January to the end of April or mid-April, um, we sent samples to Luminultra. And uh, before that, I guess uh, in mid-2021, it was Biobot again. Mm -hmm. So yes, our partners have been changing. They have been, yeah, changing over time. And now to what extent are you working with county or state level um, health departments for, in terms of sharing the data and interpreting the data? So that's a long story. Initially, when we started doing our own data collection in June 2020 by sending samples to the commercial lab and paying for it ourselves, we realized we needed at least three to four months of data to actually try to do some modeling efforts of estimated disease prevalence and such. Um, so after four months of uh, collecting this data and starting to build the model, we presented to our local Pinellas County Department of Health and we started sending data biweekly um, to them. Unfortunately, the interpretation part was not as clear. Like they, I guess they weren't sure what to do with the data, plus mm -hmm. being uh, slammed with the pandemic response, staffing, um, you know, uh, all, the, all the other challenges that they were facing themselves. I mean, you have to understand Pinellas County has 25% um, of their population over the age of 65 years. Oh my goodness. So our de Department of Health at that time, I'm sure was really busy securing nursing homes, making sure that the pandemic doesn't spread among our older population and such. So it is not surprising that they were, you know, getting too much information and didn't know what to do with it. So um, 
engaging the Department of Health was a challenge for us. Um, we were hoping to include um, academia in this effort because I had seen how in other places throughout the country, the university labs were processing these samples and helping with the data, helping utilities with the data interpretation and bridging that gap between the utility and the Department of Health. But we could not get that kind of effort started in spite of I have reached out to the local universities, but we could not get that kind of um, you know, response started. So uh, unfortunately, uh, that part of our uh, plan didn't work out so well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as you point out, it's, you know, wastewater surveillance is sort of a, a relatively new, not brand new, but relatively new sort of tool in the public health surveillance toolbox. Um, health departments are not used to seeing wastewater data. So as you point out, you know, how do you know what you're looking at? Right. And how do you know how to extract information when you're in the middle of fighting, you know, a pandemic? So, OK, but now fast forward to now and you're participating in the phase three commercial testing contract with Biobot. You're sending samples twice a week um, to Biobot. Both um, samples are being analyzed for SARS-CoV-2 and one sample a week is being sequenced. Correct. Through. OK. And then. And where are you sampling? Are you sampling at the influence to both of your uh, water resource recovery facilities, other places? Talk to me a little bit about that. That's right. We're collecting 24-hour flow proportional uh, composite samples from okay. both our treatment plants. Initially, for that first year, we did collect, again, flow proportional composite samples from a pump station mm -hmm. that serves retirement communities and nursing homes. Um, but we stopped that after our first um, phase of the study. And uh, right now, we are only sending from the two uh, facilities that we have. Okay. And again, those two facilities capture the 300,000 people in Pinellas County who are served by those. Okay. Um, and, and just getting into the weeds in terms of logistics, who actually collects the samples? Um, I'm assuming the flow proportions samples are already being collected for permit compliance or other or process optimization purposes. So talk me through the mechanics of actually getting that sample in the mail to Biobot. That's correct. We have an amazing team of operators who are making sure pandemic or not, there's always work going on, right? Yeah. Uh, there are unsung heroes and they collect samples for compliance um, either way, but this was an additional sample that they're collecting and they're still doing it. And, you know, they, they collect the sample, they, the kits are already sent to them. So they have the, the huge 24-hour composite jug that they pour out of and uh, a representative sample is um, packed into the shipping kit. And, you know, they call UPS or FedEx or whichever courier is required to come and pick it up from the facility okay. twice a week. Yeah, that's great. I know. And we're, we're also grateful for all of those operators and technicians out there who are willing to, to pour off samples, collect samples, get them in the mail and, and make this all work, right? All right, so the samples are then sent off to Biobot where they are analyzed. And then I know there's a few, um, there's a couple options for utilities in terms of getting data back from Biobot. They can post the data on their website and then um, you can download your data from their website or you could opt for a um, like a PDF emailed report of the data. Which one do you use? How do you 
Pinellas County Utilities get the data back from BioBot? So last year when BioBot um, did the first phase of the funding, they were sending us um, a PDF of the report. Um, this year, we have just started collecting samples since last week. So I haven't received a report yet or figured out about should I get it from the website or should I ask them to email me the report. But okay. I am the point of contact. Reports come to me and I do the job of dissemination of uh, the information. Okay. And we talked a little bit about how, you know, your, your goal was to share this information early on with the, the county health department. So who, what's your plan in terms of disseminating the information this time around? So um, I, I do get invited internally um, to present to our own staff so that they understand what's going on with the pandemic. Um, I have people from our utility who have both retired and um, those who are still working sometimes reach out to me and ask me what's going on, you know, with the, with the wastewater um, numbers, uh, are they high, are they low? I'm, you know, I don't know if I should um, go to a restaurant or whatever, mm. you know, so people internally, I have people asking me about it. Um, we are feeding this data into the news system so you know people can see it uh, publicly. And I'm happy to report also that I am now connected with the Florida um, Department of Health state epidemiologist. Um, she reached out to me uh, about our participation with news. We discussed uh, the Florida State DOH laboratories, the state laboratories, um, trying to pick up the sampling and um, you know, she she lets me know where they're at with with their um, progress. You know, starting to launch this program, and um, I, I I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy that they're they're getting involved. They are trying to um, get the data interpretation done. They're also uh, she mentioned members of the public health uh, community of practice. That's fantastic news yes. because you know. Um, I know you've been thinking about wastewater surveillance a lot for the last two years. I think we can agree that this this whole approach is not really going to go away with with COVID. Um, I know that COVID is taking a little bit longer to go away than we were <laughs> hoping, but if you could look into your crystal ball and and tell me where do you see this technology going in the next year or two? So full disclosure, yeah. antimicrobial resistance is my personal favorite. Uh -huh. Fair enough. <laughs> that, was, that was my doctoral and postdoctoral research. Um, and I have kind of continued to do it uh, in our utility as well. We've uh, participated in several um, projects funded by external organizations that have looked in our drinking water, wastewater, and reclaimed water for um, ARBs and ARGs. So I, I started looking into it as well in my, like I said, I have my own little lab with my personal little QPCR machine. And um, I started looking into um, antimicrobial resistance in our plant, particularly focusing on tetracycline, vancomycin, sulfonamides, mm -hmm. and carbapenems, um, and uh, looking at what's coming into the influent and what's going out as the effluent. Uh, so AMR is my personal favorite, and I hope that um, we do continue because it is uh, a, a big issue, I think. Um, it's larger than what, what we can see 
Um, I'm hoping that's how it will go. And uh, we will continue as a utility to participate in these kind of projects, even though there is no regulation on the horizon. I have to explain why we are getting into this if there is no regulation on the horizon. Uh -huh. You know, we don't have a huge research team. I am the research team. And um, thankfully, though, I have a very supportive management who understands the importance of uh, being a utility participant in these research projects. I don't have to explain away the funding because most of these are funded externally by the Water Research Foundation or other organizations. Mm -hmm. It's just important for us to be part of that. Um, so we've, we've been participating and I hope we'll continue to participate. And then we recently also participated in a pilot study testing opioids in wastewater. Okay. So I think that's another direction that um, we haven't utilized. It's, it's an underutilized uh, tool right now. We, I presented to our, our county opioid task force and they were amazed at um, what kind of data we can get out of this. So they're, they're actually mulling it over, you know, considering um, if we should just start sampling and set up a baseline or um, if we should launch this program. So I'm waiting on, on their response on that. Um, so any, any WBE efforts we can get involved in, we would. And I know at the Wastewater um, Disease Surveillance Summit, Dr. Amy Kirby of the CDC mentioned expanding um, the testing in the future to either localized or you know, statewide or nationwide, depending on what's going on. Um, and I'm really excited to see this future direction and implementation of uh, wastewater surveillance. Yeah, wow, Bina, there's a lot of great information in there. So certainly AMR or antimicrobial resistance is one that's um, you know, on CDC's list for expanding news. And just um, so a few definitions. So ARB, antibiotic resistant bacteria, and ARG antibiotic resistant genes. Did I get that right? Okay. That is correct. Um, yeah, and the genes would be the, the specific targets for you know a PCR assay. You'd be looking for specific genes. Okay. And then it's that's right. If you see the genes, it doesn't mean those bacteria are still alive. Right. So there's a question of is there a threat or not? Do they really pose a threat if you find their gene, but the actual bacterium is mm. dead? Yeah, And that's where QMRA, the quantitative microbial risk assessment comes in, especially now that so many places in the country have moved on to potable reuse. Mm -hmm. That's a gray area where we're looking for all these organisms um, as part of compliance, but we do not know what risk these um, ARBs and ARGs pose in mm -hmm. the world of potable reuse. Right. Yeah, and how they interact with the environment and all that. So many unknowns. And then it was just interesting to hear that, you know, you're committed to participating in this, however it evolves and, you know, what the needs of, of your county health department are. I hear that a lot. You know, wastewater utilities are public health entities, and many of them have baked into their mission statements, you know, protection of public health and the environment. So that's just something, it's just a comment that, you know, I, I hear that a lot. I'd just forward. like to point out though yeah. that um, consider our size. We are not as big as HRST or yeah. MST Cincinnati or some of the bigger utilities participating in these programs. They do have a research team. They have microbiologists and staff and all that. Our utility is like small, really small compared to them. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I just want to focus attention to the smaller utilities that are even smaller than us and do not have microbiologists on staff to, to help the management understand the importance of WBE and participation on these kind of projects. And you, you don't want your data skewed towards the larger utilities. You would prefer to have small, medium, and large utilities, but it's a, a bigger challenge for the smaller utilities to get involved in these things. They do not have molecular biologists. I'm, I'm interpreting QP, QPCR data for our organization. Um, not everyone has the luxury to do that. I mean, even in our Tampa Bay area, not many utilities are participating in this effort, mostly because they have they are a little wary of what this this is, where this is going, what is required of them, you know, how do they participate in this? So it it has to you have to consider the smaller utilities and um, the challenge it, they face with trying to get involved in this effort. Yeah, really well said, Bina. And as as you point out, you know, the vast majority of utilities in this country are small. Um, so there are a lot of small utilities out there. You know, you, you've touched a little bit on, on this question that I'm about to ask, and it's related to challenges um, in program implementation. And, um, and especially because you've had these different phases of your program where you're working, where you have different partners, um, you know, different sampling cadences, different sampling locations. I mean, you talked early on how with Tulane, you were actually looking pre and post disinfection, but, you know, maybe hone in on one or two of the biggest challenges you feel like you faced as a small utility, as a smaller utility, so that, you know, other smaller utilities could learn from, from what you faced. Yes, so like I mentioned before, um, data interpretation was our biggest challenge, how to get our Department of Health involved. Um, also funding for the, for the first year, we paid for it by ourselves. It's $300 per sample from three different locations, the two um, water resource recovery facilities and the pump station. Um, and we collected samples once a month. So that was a, a lot of money that we put into the program. We, we don't have a huge research budget, but we realized this was important enough for us to, to participate in. Um, and again, because of the, you know, we couldn't just continue with funding this program. So news came at a very opportune moment and I just kept my eyes open waiting for, you know, them to say who's got the funding and, in December 2020, uh, Water Reuse Association community page, they posted saying that Aquavitas was doing the, the pilot phase and um, they had an email on there and I reached out and I said, hey, we want to participate, you know. So um, try to keep up and make sure that we were included in, these, in this program because we knew that we couldn't fund it um, continuously. Mm -hmm. that, that really was um, something I had to stay on top of trying to get uh, us into the program for sure. Yes, it does take somebody like you, like I, I would call you a, a wastewater surveillance champion, you know, somebody you have kept at it over the past few years to find your find your niche, you know, and, and your funding. So that that's really great. So, you know, data from your two facilities will be available on the COVID data tracker, because, you know, as you pointed out, the, the data from Biobot are being shared with CDC. So the public will be able to see your data there. Is there anywhere else people want to find more out more information about your program? Who should they talk to? 
or where should they go? Um, you know, when the reporters reach out, they my communications team points them to me. So, but we don't we don't have a dashboard. We don't have an outward facing dashboard. I've seen all these cool dashboards from these from Ohio, from Michigan. Bozeman, Montana has such a cool dashboard, and I was like, I wish we could do something like this. But uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we couldn't do that. But uh, yes, I mean, anybody could reach out to me for more information on our program and um, all our uh, interviews and articles, I can send the links to you. They have uh, information on our program. Um, I co-authored an article on, um, well, optimistically last year, we thought that COVID would be over. So Sandhya Parshaniker from the EPA and myself, we co-authored an article um, that was published in the journal AWWA. It's it's titled Beware of Superbugs in a Post-COVID World. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, pointing towards my favorite subject, AMR. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I... These are all the resources I can provide to you so you can link them with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We will provide links to all those things in the in the show notes. Well, I had one more question for you, Bina, and it's not related to wastewater, but um, my, and I've never visited Pinellas County, which makes me realize there's so many places I need to get to in this world. But my understanding is that there are many different types of animals that live in Pinellas County. So bobcats, gopher tortoises, which I'm not sure what that is, otters, alligators, of course, because it's Florida, uh, sea turtles, dolphins, sharks, manatees, not to mention a lot of bird and fish species. So do you have a favorite animal species or two? And if so, why? Some sea turtle species are on the endangered list. Mm. And I try to participate in beach cleanups before nesting season. Um, so, of course, sea turtles is uh, top of my list. Okay. Uh, also, manatees. I think they are such like gentle giants. Yeah, know? they seem it's like huge it. Huge and so so quiet and gentle, and um, they're they're very sensitive to environmental changes. So they were on the endangered list uh, until 2017, when the mm. population increased enough that they went on the threatened list. But unfortunately, uh, I've seen um, articles that say that uh, in 2021, the number of manatee deaths have increased. Hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping we do more towards protecting them. So yes, sea turtles and manatees, top of the list, but okay. course, all the rest do anything we can do to preserve the environment. Um, you forgot to mention snakes. We have some pretty cool snakes. Like yeah, no, I didn't forget. Here. That was intentional. <laughs> well, they I'm have sure their, you do have some cool snakes. <laughs> in my backyard too. Yeah, they have their <laughs> own environmental you know, requirements and we yeah. are encroaching on their land. Yes. Good point. Very good point. Well, wonderful. There you have it. Wildlife and wastewater on the western coast of Florida. As Bina mentioned, she's going to share a whole bunch of resources with me and I'll post those in the show notes. Um, And I just want to say thank you so much, Bina, for talking with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me, Anna.